You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. I know you're going to be lit up by today's episode with Christina Linkowski. She is just so many things. She is a publicity pro and podcast strategist. She's a work-at-home mom of a special needs kiddo. She's a wife and a business owner living with a chronic illness. And she's just the queen of finding life's sugar linings. Also, she's hilarious. So I know you're going to love, love, love this conversation, and I hope you'll go from maybe feeling limited somewhere in your own life to liberated. Stay tuned through this conversation, drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to, and without further ado, welcome Christina. Thank you, thank you. I am so excited to be here and talk to your audience today and, you know, just have a fun conversation. I know. I'm so happy to have you here on Thrive. I mean, I kind of feel like we're best friends already because we just, I think we kind of yeah. almost forgot to hit record because it's been 20 <laughs> minutes. We were just chit-chatting like, oh, wait, we got to record a podcast. Well, so. We got to do a thing here, you know? Yeah. I know. Well, maybe become the third between you and Taylor. And then I'm just like yeah. your older BFF you know, yeah. that can talk to you about going gray and, and cool stuff like that. You have automatic, like really cool ant vibes right off yeah. the bat where I'm just like, I want to adopt you. <laughs> I feel a little old by you saying that, but you know what? I'll get over it. Yeah. I just want to adopt I mean, it's true, but I mean, we have so much in common already. Like we're both yes. course creators. We're both yes. pitching, total pitching nerds. We're both yep. work from home moms. We're both Hamilton yep. super fans, which is like a total fun fact. Yes. So we've kind yes. of got, we've got it going on. We check off the boxes. We check off the boxes. That's so funny. Cause I was actually, um, we, we watch a lot of Hamilton in our house. Um, my daughter is obsessed and I mean, I'm obsessed with my daughter's like next obsessed. level obsessed. And, um, you know, we were listening just last night. My favorite song is wait for it. What's your favorite song? Oh gosh. That's like, well, I know it's a like favorite a child. Point. It's a Sophie's choice, but you gotta. It depends on the mood, though. It really depends. Yeah, you know what? That's fair. Like sometimes it depends on if I want to like sing satisfied. My daughter is two, and she likes uh, rise up, but she just wants to hear rise yeah. up over and over yeah. and over. It's just that one phrase. That part too. Yeah, I I feel <laughs> you on that. My daughter's six, and she's kind of says she loves satisfied. Yeah, loves the kings. Oh, song. that I change. I change my. I change my choice. I completely yeah. forgot about. The fabulousness of all of the king and he yeah. just wins jonathan groff is just he incredible always so. he always wins. yeah well, i can't even tell you my daughter's mind was so blown when i was like you know Kristoff. we were watching same Frozen. guy <laughs> I was like, same guy and she but like she still couldn't like she couldn't wrap her head around it yeah like she was like i don't know what you're saying yeah those are like no, i don't it's and i was like well someday you will <laughs> that's the same guy yeah <laughs> he's pretty cool <laughs> yeah He's a gem. Oh my gosh. Well, beyond that, you're also a badass in publicity and you can basically get anyone on anything. I am convinced. So you've got, you've got clients in Martha Stewart living in Reader's Digest. You've got people on MSN travel channel. I'm just like, pick me, put me on something really big and cool, Christina, because you've really got, you got it all. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. When I, um, 
I used to work a lot with tourism entities, tourism agencies at all different levels, state levels, um, city levels, that, you know, any kind of tourism region that you could think of. And that was really, really fun to pitch them and the different things that various places around the country, you know, have going on and to, and to place them in some of those really cool, really cool publications for sure. Absolutely. Well, I don't want to steal all your thunder though. So introduce yourself to everyone who does not know you because I feel like I've known you forever now and I, I don't really know you all that well. So <laughs> give us the lowdown of who you are. Well, I am Christina Lenkowski and I am a podcast strategist. So um, I'm someone in my work life that takes people, I focus on entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors, and I take them from best kept secret to go-to expert in their industry by being a guest on other people's podcasts. And that's kind of the, the big thing is people, a lot of times when I say what I do, people are like, oh, so I have to have a podcast or, oh, you, so you help people start their podcast. No, that's not what I do. I help other people become a guest. And this is very meta because I am a guest right now on Erica's podcast. <laughs> so I help my clients do the same thing. Um, so then to get in front of new audiences and um, spread the word about what it is that they do and how they impact the world. Um, and then in my personal life, I live in Boise, Idaho with my husband and my six-year-old daughter. And, um, you know, we're just trying to survive over here. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to live, um, you know, stay married and uh, have a kid and do all that stuff. Um, you know, this has been a crazy time uh, for everyone. You know, that's the understatement of the year. Um, but, you know, we're starting to at least get back to some semblance of quote unquote normal life. My daughter is back in school today. They're back in school two days a week for kindergarten. Um, so that's nice. And... Yeah, just kind of just kind of trying to get back in the swing of things a little trying bit. to thrive, trying to thrive, some might say. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, something I know that also plays a huge role in your life since I've seen it play a big role in my dad's life is type one diabetes. Yes. So, oh, I didn't all... know your dad has type one diabetes. Yeah. Oh, OK. OK, cool. That That is actually really awesome because we can have a little bit more in depth conversation on it. When people have like a personal, um, uh, you know, a personal connection to it, then that kind of even puts it on a different level for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've had it for what, two decades now? I yes. So almost 20 years. I was diagnosed when I was 19, um, when I was at college and I'm 38 now. So yeah, almost, almost two decades been, you know, over half my life at this point or essentially half my life at this point. Um, which is crazy when I think about it. Um, I'm just like, wait, what? But yeah, it's it's a huge part of my life. It's something that I, of course, am dealing with every single day. There's no breaks. Um, you know, it's 24-7, 365. Um, I mean, literally before we hit record, you were like, wait, let me check my sugar real quick. <laughs> I was, I was, I know. Was, I'm Sometimes I'm like, I'll get all excited about something and then I'll realize like, oh yeah, maybe before like she hits record, you should just like mm -mm, give a little look. Um, you know, and so I did and we were all good to go. Um, you know, but it's, you know, as you know, with your dad, it's just a, it's just a balance all the time. And it, it's something that's always in your, on your mind, you know, it may not be the forefront of what you're thinking about, of course, all the time, like that would really suck if that was the case, but it's, it's always in the back. And, um, you know, I read a study once that type one diabetics on average make about 
100, it was like 180 or something more decisions a day than the average person. And I think that that's very, very important for those of us with type one to realize that that's why we get burnout. That's why um, we get tired of dealing. I mean, you just get tired of it. And I think that's, that's what you remember is, Hey, when you've gone through 10 years, 15 years, 20 years of thinking about making a hundred and some more choices a day than everyone else, like, yeah, that's going to weigh on you. And it's not just a choice because it would be nice. It's a choice because life or death truly. Um, so I, I think that that's, I just, I just like to point that out to other type ones is like, yeah, there's a reason you're burnt out and there's a reason that this is hard. And it's not so much the, the, oh, I have to take insulin. Everyone thinks it's taking insulin. Taking, taking insulin isn't in the grand scheme of it. That's nothing. Um, you know, it's, it's way more than that. Give us, paint us the picture. Give us like the quick synopsis of what you mean by that though, too. Because I know every yeah. time I, I feel like it's every time I see my dad, it's like, he's having to sneak the shots and test his, t- take a little finger prick. And I'm like, I'm someone who hates needles. So I, I'm like, that's abs- I don't even know how you do it. And you just have to get used to it. Cause you don't have another choice. And he to- would do it. And he has to yeah. prick his finger and do blood drop at all the time. And I'm like, yeah. that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Like, I, it's just, <laughs> that's like a lot. And it's, you have you to know. go through so much. And like you said, it's literally life or death. So give people yeah. the, quick, the quick picture of like what that actually looks like so that people can understand what you're actually having to deal with. Yeah. Um, so essentially, just to give some background, the average person like without diabetes, their blood sugar naturally kind of stays in this range of like 70 to hundred. So, and this is in the U S it's different in other parts of the world, but it j- just numbers wise. Cause you know, we have to have our own number system because we're that cool. We got to make sure everything, really special. you know, really <laughs> special like that. Um, now that I work with so many people from outside of the U S I'm just like, son of a, you know, cause I, <laughs> like, everything is just very different, um, in regards to numbers. But anyway, so in the U S we're going to keep our numbers. You're naturally going to have your numbers be between 70 and 100. When we're a type one diabetic, um, our, our, our numbers will, will not be that unless we were to take insulin. Um, so naturally we run high. So our sugars go higher than that because we don't have, I could even break it down further, but essentially our body doesn't make insulin anymore, which is what your body naturally makes. So we don't have anything counteracting food. So when I was diagnosed, for instance, my blood sugar was 1100. Okay. So that is 10 times what the average person's blood sugar should be. Like I essentially just had honey, like going through my, going my through veins. veins at that, at that point. Now I had skateboarded to the doctor's appointment. So that was nuts. They were like, how are you not in a coma? And I was like, I don't know. I got to go. I was the editor of the paper at Oregon state. And I was like, eh, I need to, can you just do what you got to do? Cause I got to yeah. go work. Um, you know, but it, that's where I was at. And I was obviously having all these symptoms um, because of that, but I had never had anything wrong with me. No one in my family has diabetes. I'm the only one. Um, you know, all these, all these things, I didn't know what it was attributed to. Um, so it can, it can obviously go very high it, in an average day. It's not uncommon for a diabetic to go well over the 200s in um, blood sugar after they eat or something like that. Um, with that being said, we also have the problem where we take too much insulin or we take insulin and then we 
we go for, you know, we work out or maybe you unexpectedly go for a, a walk with your family because you want to, and then we can drop low. So again, where you guys, a normal person might, you know, your body is going to start kicking in and working when your blood sugar starts to get a little low. Ours doesn't do, it, it, it can't regulate it. So we'll go into the fifties, we'll go into the forties. And that's when we have our hyperglycemias, which is typically where you see the emergency situations. Um, having high blood sugar isn't really going to put you in an emergency situation. That's more so like long-term what it's doing to your body. But in the short term, the low blood sugars are really what you have to be aware of. Mm -hmm. um, those are the ones that that cause you to pass out or cause you to see, you know, have a seizure or um, unfortunately pass, you know, for some people uh, pass away. Um, so that was a very long explanation. I feel like for a simple question that you asked me, but, but that, that was, is, that was deep. We got it. Okay. I was like, that was, that's kind of a general range. And so essentially every day what I'm doing, and I'm lucky enough to be privileged with the top um, things, you know, um, I'm lucky to have through my husband, very good insurance. So I'm able to have the Dexcoms, which is our continuous glucose monitor. And I'm able to have the, the pump that reads that Dexcom and adjusts the insulin based on that. With that being said, I'm still testing my blood sugar four times a day. Um, and, you know, they say in the commercials, like for the pump or whatever, like, now you don't even have to test your blood sugar. I'm like, uh, girlfriend got any diabetic has control issues. Like we are like, I'm like, I don't trust you and your machine. So we are like, all, yeah, like I'm going to take a test. Like I might cut down, the, I've, cut, I've cut down the amount of tests that I take. But in no way, shape, or form am I ever not taking any tests. Like I, I don't see a, a scenario where that happens in my life unless, I don't know, they find a cure, which would be amazing. But, you know, I uh, th there's things that are being improved upon all the time, you know, in regards to our technology. And that's great. But we, people seem to think because we have these technologies sometimes that that means we're cured and we are not cured. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's really important for people to understand um, because... I think that they just assume everyone, well, first of all, there's a lot of misconceptions about diabetes as a whole, because there's type two and type one, and they are very different. But, you know, in regards to that, people just kind of think, oh, well, you have the, you have the things now that read your uh, sugars and da, da, da. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, and that's great. I'm thankful for those things, but I'm not, but it's not, it's not cured. This is still something that I have to deal with every single day, 24 seven. And that naturally yeah. is going to lead to burnout. It's a chronic illness. It is a chronic illness. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know you're also so good, though, at finding what you've called the sugar linings, which I think is yes. such a such a fun play on words. I just really love that. <laughs> so what do you think has been the most important and the most helpful for you in finding these, these sugar linings or the silver linings in life when you are constantly battling something like chronic illness that like you said, like people can really get burnt out and probably depressed when they're dealing with yeah. something like this, that literally has no end in sight. What, yeah. what are your tips? Well, I mean, I, I wrote down this quote from an episode that you had a few or a few episodes ago that was okay, from now. another a really inspiring lady. And what was her name again? I'm sorry. Prob I'm going to take a guess. Mindy. Mindy. Yes, yes. It was Mindy. And yep. she was amazing. And she said, adversity is the reason or something to this effect. Adversity is the reason, not the excuse. And I absolutely thought that was amazing. And I really, really resonated with that because I agree with that sentiment um, wholeheartedly. Um, diabetes is hard. It is a hard, hard part of our life, but 
that doesn't mean you can't live your life. Um, and so one of the ways that I kind of look at and deal with the fact that I, that I have this disease or that I have this illness is by saying some, I mean, this is, this is kind of going to sound messed up, but I say like hundred years ago, you would, you would have been dead within a year of diagnosis a hundred years ago. That's not that long ago. You would have been, you wouldn't even be here. You wouldn't have had a kid. You wouldn't have gotten married. You wouldn't have done all these things that you get traveled all over the world, gotten to do these things that you get to do. So in a lot of ways, I'm, I feel like I'm cheating destiny. And so I need to take advantage of that as much as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, and that looks different for different people, what that means to them, what that, you know, that is. But I think it's important to remember, like, this, I shouldn't be here if we hadn't advanced to where we are now. Um, and I think that that's, that's one thing that kind of keeps my head on my shoulders sometimes of like, this is, I mean, it's not like it's borrowed time, but it's like, this is, this is time that you get to have that, a, that someone with the exact same condition, which by the way, we did nothing. No one does anything to get type one, you know, like there's nothing you can do to get type one. It's not because you ate too much sugar. It's not because, you know, whatever, um, it just is it is what it is. And they actually don't really know why. Um, some people get it and some people don't. Like I said, I'm the only one in my family to have it. Some people, it is more genetic, um, but, you know, just kind of depends. And um, so, you know, I, I do think about that sometimes. It's like, this was the heart, this is the hand that I was dealt. And I'm not going to sit here and be mad at it because what good does that do me? I need to instead be like, all right, well, I'm going to make a life that I'm like, excuse my language, but I'm damn proud of because like I have this opportunity that for thousands of years, people in the exact same situation never, ever got to have. Mm -hmm. So I try to look at it a bit from um, the sense of being thankful uh, to modern medicine, um, to science, a uh, big science fan over here, um, you know, for making it so that, that I can be alive today. Absolutely. Do you have any tips for people, maybe not necessarily even specific to diabetes, but chronic illness or even just something in life that you don't necessarily see an end to that's really freaking hard? Because I'm sure everybody can probably relate to that in some way, shape or form oh, yeah. where you are having to make these choices. I mean, maybe people aren't having to do it as often as you do, since obviously you have so many every single day that are now added on. But what what advice could you have for people who are trying to more intentionally shape their perspective through this hard thing where it is something where they feel they can genuinely be grateful for and not feel limited by where it feels like a genuine gratitude and not just something where, you know, like you hear the term toxic positivity thrown around where people are like, ah, oh, you're just hodgepodge saying I'm being happy when like you're not really happy so like it feels very genuine and real from you though so like what what do you think people can do practically as they're going through the motions of making those choices so they're not feeling as limited and can start to feel more more liberated instead I think that uh, I, a, I think that's a really great question I've actually never really thought about that before so this might come out as like a bit of a jumbled um answer as my thoughts kind of come come out from that one is I'm not positive about it all the time and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay to be sometimes I'm like, F you, 
diabetes. <laughs> like absolutely a hundred percent that those days, those days, those moments happen, you know, regularly. Like, I, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I've been like my, you know, my family will just be like, Hey, let's go on a walk. And I look at my blood sugar and I'm like, no, you know, or, or like, okay, you guys go like, I, I can't right now, you know, uh, my sugar's low or I haven't, you know, um, done what I need to do to make sure I don't have a low. That stuff is annoying to not be able to do what you want to do in the moment that you want to do it. Like that sucks. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I've been like on hiking trips with, or skiing and had lows and everyone has to stop and everyone has to wait for me to drink my little juice and then, you know, wait for 15 minutes for it to start to come back up and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I have been taken down a ski hill one time um, by the ski patrol, though, which was actually very fun. Um, well, because I was just waiting for my sugar to go up. Like I'd already, I had juice on me. So I was like at the top of the ski mountain, I started to have a low, drank my juice. My poor husband's like sitting with me. We're sitting there for like 20 minutes. The ski patrol comes by a few times and my, my sugar just wasn't going back up. Like it wasn't dropping anymore, but it wasn't going back up. And I was like, and I kept like, they'd come by and I'd be like, no, I'm okay. Like, I just need to wait. Da, da, da. And then finally they were like, do you just want to ride down and you know, my husband was like, I mean, better for them to take you down than like be taken down like later on or whatever. And I was like, all right, you know, or whatever. I'm like with all my, I'm like with multiple of our friends. And so anyways, the ski patrol, the most handsome ski patrol man of all time comes and like gets, you know, puts me on the, it puts me on the little sled, and, but I wasn't injured. So it wasn't like they had to like, you know, strap me down or anything like that. But so anyways, though, they, and then they realized I wasn't really injured or the other guy did. And they just, it was like, the fast then they realized they could go fast and like I was just like, ah! I was like, I was like on my own little ride like down to the I got faster, the energy faster. everywhere like all over my face and and I remember the really hot ski patrol guy just like gently wiping it off my cheek and I was like how thoughtful this heaven and then we got down there and they were like like here's more juice and I was like no no I don't want more um juice because this is all gonna hit and they're like eat it so anyways, then I like, you know, I drank more juice and then my blood sugar went high, which I knew was going to happen, you know, later down the road. Um, I don't know what the point of me telling you that story was, but except that, you know, things happen in the moment and they really, really suck. But I always look at that story as kind of funny because then I got to have this awesome sled ride, like down the hill, you know, yeah, you can be embarrassed. Like you're going, and I mean, I'm sure I was at the time a little bit embarrassed, like, okay, here's ski patrols having to like take me down to the bottom or whatever. But at the end I was like, that was actually super fun. And you know, like, a like, you know, like sometimes I'm like, oh man, I should like have a low at the top again so I can get brought back down. Like that's way better than actually skiing. Um, so, you know, there's, there's times like that and you kind of have to find the funny. I'm definitely always looking to find the funny in situations. That's just my personality. Um, the other thing is get educated. Um, one thing that I notice a lot of people do is they um, we get upset about certain things and we just sit in our upsetness, but we don't actually take the time to find out like what we're upset about and learn more about what that thing is. I mean, I can't even tell you when I was first diagnosed with diabetes when I was 19, I didn't care. I was like, I'm in a sorority. I am the editor of this newspaper. Like I was like, I got, you know, I got boys. Like I don't have like, to, you know, time to deal with all this, you know, and stuff. And so for the first few years, like I didn't, I really didn't care. Like, I, I mean, I would test my blood sugar maybe once a day. 
I would, I mean, I drank, I, you know, did all these other, you know, did things and stuff that aren't you do when you're 19 and, um, you know, all this stuff and, um, didn't really even take diabetes into account very much until, you know, I was a few years later. Um, and so I think that that was something that I think wasn't good in the sense that I just denied it for a long time. And so then when it did hit, it hit really, really hard. And so I think if I had taken the time to, and in, in some ways, I think I probably should have been a little bit forced because I, there's no way that I was going to do this by choice, forced by my family to like, okay, you're going to take two weeks off. You're going to go to learn about diabetes at, you know, a hospital or something like that. And then, um, you know, then you can have a better basis and foundation of what this looks like moving forward. Cause I was just, for me, I was just figuring it all out on my own. Um, and that's not because no one was willing to show me it's because I didn't want to deal with it. And I was like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just, I kind of just was learning as I went type of thing and what makes it better. And now I know that that's not the healthy way to go about it. Like now I need to be getting the information and then making a choice based on that, like how I want to move forward. Um, and I think that that was an important mind shift to have because just denying it or just saying like, well, this is how it is. Like, it's not going to be any better. Isn't necessary. That's not the place that you should be sitting in. Yeah. I feel like people do that a lot too. And a lot in life, even if it has nothing to do with illness and people can have problems in a relationship or just problems with themselves. And instead of you know, yeah. ripping the bandaid off, so to speak, and figuring out how to heal what's underneath, people will just keep slapping on band-aids or just putting things under a rug. And then at some point it's, you're going to have a problem because something's going to yeah. get infected. So, yeah. so yeah. it's like, it's much better to just, I'm, I'm such a strong believer in ripping the bandaid off and actually figuring out what healing work needs to happen to fix what's underneath to move forward instead of just okay, just like pretend it doesn't exist or give it a quick fix yeah. for now and handle it later. Because I mean, I, tell me, a, show me a story where that actually ended up working yeah. out for good <laughs> like and not yeah. becoming a bigger hot mess express down the line. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So I mean, I agree. Beyond your own diagnosis too, I know your daughter also has a rare chromosome condition or disorder. Yeah. So yeah. I'd love to hear more too about how you are intentionally teaching her to adopt and really choose the same sort of mindset and perspective that you have so that yeah. she grows into her full potential as this strong and resilient girl who doesn't have resentment towards life right off the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. My daughter, her name is Beatrice. We call her Bia and um, she's six and she was diagnosed with a rare chromosome disorder when she was one. So um uh, to back up, you know, she had from birth, we had issues like failure to thrive, um, different things that happened and just kind of, you know, she didn't walk until she was about 18 months, um, you know, various things that, that were kind of happening and our doctors didn't quite know, you know, none of us knew what was going on. And, um, so finally, before she was a year old, our doctor was like, I think that we should get her, she was very small at the time. And they were like, I think we should get her tested for this disease called Turner syndrome, which is where people um, have one X chromosome and like they're typically physically very, very small. And so we were like, okay, so we do the testing and the testing came back and it, she didn't have that. She didn't have, um, you know, anything else other than these two chromosome micro deletions. And 
no one in the world had these same two in tandem that they knew of. So that doesn't mean that there aren't people out there that do, but you know, chromosome testing is just now becoming a much more common uh, thing that they're doing, you know? Um, and so we found out that she had these two in tandem. There are people, you know, a small amount of people that have each of those particular deletions, um, but not as far as we know, both together. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, we did that. They actually ended up testing me and my husband. And it turns out that I have one of the micro deletions as well. Um, it was just dormant in me. So it never presented, it never did anything. Um, but when I passed that along, uh, which I guess is somewhat common, a second one then also appeared. And the second one is actually the bigger micro deletion, like the bigger deletion. Um, so we don't know, like if the one that I passed on is dormant and this one is doing, you know, is what's working or whatever, who knows, we'll never know um, in regards to that. But, you know, these things present themselves through global delays, development delays, you know, speech delays. Um, we do all kinds of different therapies, um, things like that. So it's a lot, you know, it's, it's a lot to do. And I think that I did the exact same thing. This is a pattern in my life when things are, when I don't want to hear things that um, like when my daughter was diagnosed, I didn't want to even read the literature they gave us. Um, I didn't want to look at that stuff. I didn't want anything to define. I think the issue is I don't want anything to define what my life looks like or what my child's life will look like. Um, my husband's the opposite. He's like, I want a roadmap and I want to be able to look at all this and blah, blah, blah. Whereas I'm like, I want you to be able to write your own story. And, you know, I don't care about these other, uh, what they think might happen, might or might not happen. Um, and so, you know, that was something that same thing took a while for me to come around to until I finally started accepting, um, what the reality was. Um, of our situation, which is that we don't know what the future holds for our child in regards to development, in regards to um, any of these things, what her life looks like, you know, um, and that's hard. You know, me and my husband are both achievers. Um, we come from families where, you know, we all go to college, we all went to college and we all do all these things. And we don't know if that's in the cards, for our child and things like that. And when people, you know, sometimes I say that to people with neurotypical children and they're like, oh, well, we don't know if, and I'm like, it's different. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 sometimes people try to relate to you and, and that that is well, like, I was like, no. I mean, it's the same with diabetes. People are like, oh, my grandpa is type two. I'm like, no. So, you know, there are times when, um, yeah, people try to relate and unless they, unless they really have a similar situation, they can't, they can't. You can still sympathize, you just can't empathize. Um, and I think that that's something important for people to remember uh, sometimes when it comes to these situations, because, you know, people will try to normalize things or or um, stuff like that, that and it's all comes from a place of good. It all comes from them trying to make you feel better mm -hmm. or things like that. But in the end, it doesn't make you feel better. It makes you feel worse um, because it's, it's almost like a pitying mm -hmm. to a certain extent type of thing. And, and that makes anyone feel worse. Well, especially so, in a situation like that, where, I mean, she literally, they, they don't know anyone else on planet earth who mm -hmm. has the same 
chromosomal makeup. So it's like right off the bat, kid's unique. Got to give that yeah. to her. Like yeah. girlfriend is unique. And, 100%. but that's something where that must feel so isolating then too, even as her parent, because you're like, yeah. well, holy, holy shit. Like, who do I talk to? Who can relate to me? Who can yeah. like, so for someone to be like, oh, I know how you feel. You're like, actually you don't because literally yeah. statistically, she's the only one on the entire planet of like billions of people. <laughs> yeah. So like right off the bat, so it's one of those things where sometimes I feel like you just need people to be like, dude, that that must yeah, suck. That's like hard. that must be yeah. hard. That must feel isolating. And like, not gonna tell you how to feel, not gonna try yeah. to pretend like I know how you feel, but just gonna be here in case you want to vent on the days when it's really hard and really isolating. Yeah. Like I can yeah. tell you that that goes over a hundred times better than someone trying to relate to you that can't really relate to you. Um you know, and to your point, I, I, I have found people that I can talk with about these things that my friends whose um, children might have autism or might have, um, you know, essentially anything that where your kid isn't neurotypical, that's something that I can relate to. That doesn't have to be exactly what we go through, but understanding what society, the pressures that society is putting on certain things, whatever form that comes in. Um, that's absolutely someone that can relate to what I'm going through. And not only what you're going through in relation to your kids, in relation to your marriage, in relation to your family life, in relation to a bunch of stuff, because it plays into all of that. Um, the added stress is is huge, you know, in, in all those things. Mm -hmm. Even just as yourself, because I know you and I are both work-at-home moms, but I'm sure that yes. your work-at-home life of being a parent of a six-year-old with special needs is very different than my work at home life with a neurotypical two-year-old. So yeah. like right off the bat, even give yourself some credit too, because. <laughs> well, and we have a lot of help, which I'm very thankful for. Um, you know, and for me, that is a huge thing. Like if you're a mompreneur, even if you're not a mompreneur, just a mom of a child with special needs, take advantage of the, the things that the state your state or your country or whatever is offering you. And I think that that's a really a big mindset shift for some people to get over. Like, you know, my husband and I, we have insurance, we have good insurance, we have these things like that, but it doesn't cover all the stuff that our daughter needs, especially when you need weekly therapy, when you need all these different things. And so being able to take advantage of, and again, not take advantage, but actually use services like Medicaid and things like that, that are made for these exact situations, um, that is a huge help. And, you know, for some people, I think they feel weird when they're like, well, but I'm not on Medicaid. So why, like, how could I put, again, that's what these things are here for. Like she's still under our insurance too, but she has a secondary insurance of Medicaid and not being ashamed of like, this is our, this is our situation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think that was even a mindset shift for my husband, who's kind of grown up in this like very, um, you know, we both grew up in somewhat conservative households, but like this, um, like I, for instance, I believe in universal healthcare just because I know what it's like to struggle to afford um, supplies for things that you didn't, you, you shouldn't have to struggle for. Um, and, you know, for him, he didn't, he doesn't quite get that. He didn't quite have that same mindset that I did. And one time we were talking about something and he was like, well, I mean, like he, I don't know, he made some comment about how we could pay you know, for every, or, you know, we could pay for everything that, you know, Bia, our daughter has. And I was like, yeah, but, but like, 
this is what we pay taxes into. This is what we pay. This allows us to be able to still be able to travel, still be able to have, you know, the travel with her and do these things with her that we want to be able to do is because we are able to have those funds because Medicaid is taking care of all the medical necessities that we need. And for him, that was kind of like a bit of a mind shift. I think that he needed to have of like, oh yeah, we're not spending thousands and thousands. I mean, I have a friend who her insurance didn't cover this specific like um, preschool for her son who has autism. They're paying 60 to 80 grand a year out of pocket to send him to the school because their insurance wasn't covering it. I don't know if she ever tried to get on Medicaid. I have no idea, but they had to, they, I mean, they had to fight, fight, fight to get this for their son who was diagnosed with autism, you know, to get this. And I mean, can you imagine that 60, 80 grand a year that you're paying so that your child can get the help that they need? Like, that shouldn't be the situation. And either Medicaid needs to be taking that or your or your insurance needs to be taking care of that, whatever the, the situation is. So get help. I also have help in the form of a behavioral interventionist we have that comes every weekday to help my daughter with her school. That's all paid for by Medicaid. Um, don't be afraid or ashamed to get the help that you need. Our behavioral interventionist, the work that she's done, like she can never leave me. If she ever leaves me, like, I will burn this house down. Like, <laughs> like we're all going. <laughs> I'm like, no, like, you cannot. Like, she is amazing. And the work that she's done, there are people that are meant to work with people with special needs and they have the patience the and they calling, have, yeah. oh my gosh, it's their calling. They're amazing at it. And she is one of those people. And like, the things that she's able to do with my daughter, like, she's got my daughter writing her name. She's got her, you know, spelling things out, stuff like that. These are things that like, we didn't know if we're ever going to even happen. And so to have those things happen, that's because of help. That's not because of me and my husband, like me and my husband help our daughter in every way that we can. But the biggest way that I believe I help my child is by loving her and giving her attention and making sure that she knows that she is loved. And that's what I think my job as a parent is. And there's other people that are there to help her with, learning the scholastic things and the academic things that I'm not talented in teaching or in having the patience to do. Oh my God. I was trying to get her to do her Valentine's, uh, this weekend shirt show, like around the house. Like I can't like everyone's crying. Everyone's mad. Like it was just not good. Finally, I just wrote her name and I gave them to her, the, um, behavioral interventionist today. Cause she takes her to school and and I was just like, I don't know, like, if you can help her write other people's names when, when she gets there, great. <laughs> like, I can't like, I mean, there are things that I'm just not equipped to do. But the things I am equipped to do is to love on my daughter and to make sure she knows that she's very loved and that she always feels safe at home um, with her mom and her dad and knows that we love her very, very much. Mm-hmm. For before I forget, uh, totally can relate on because our daughter was two, uh, almost two months premature. So we were in early intervention programs with the state. We had yes. secondary insurances and like yes. the between she was in the NICU for 73 days and then she had oh, a feeding yeah. tube for six months. Uh -huh. So she's neurotypical now and like now she's, you know, yeah, she's gone through so much, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a quarter of a million dollars that the hospital bills yeah. were. So mm -hmm. uh, we were like, mm hmm, mm hmm, yeah, could we have some help? Because that that's expensive. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think, and that was for literally what, like a very short period of time in the grand scheme of things for things right. that were completely outside of our control. And they were 100%. like, yeah, 
we'll take care of her. How's a quarter of a million dollars sound? And we're like, oh, okay. That's, yeah. that's a lot. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that all that, and that's a total valid experience, you know, of having, that's a stressful time in your life that isn't due to anything that obviously you caused. And that's why you need to, you need to take the help that is there and not feel guilty about it because maybe mm-hmm. you can do without it. Like maybe you're like, no, you know, we probably could do why? Like I'm a, I'm a prideful person, but you know, I pay into these state programs, you know, and stuff like that as well. So I don't, I guess I don't feel bad about using them now that we actually need them. And I don't feel bad about other people using them when they need them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think that's important. I think that also ties into just work at home parent life in general, because I know yeah. as you were saying all of that, I'm also in the back of my head going, Mm-hmm. I want all moms to know this just as a work at home parent, even without any medical anything happening yeah. that like help is a good thing. And it is yep. a very, very necessary thing yes. and a good thing because yes. like you said, like that, that for me personally was one of the biggest mental shifts in being a mm-hmm. better work at home parent when I was just able to put my pride down for a hot second and accept mm-hmm. help that I could not, that like, Oh, being a full-time mom and also a full-time business owner at the same time yeah. is really freaking hard. Like yeah. if that's, that's a fact, <laughs> like being yeah. able to accept that where then you're willing to go, okay, you know what? It's okay to, if we are able to have some childcare to help yeah. so that mom can work, yes. work her job at the same, that's okay. And if you yeah. need to like, Hire somebody once in a while to deep clean your house because otherwise it's gonna look like a pigsty. You know what? That's okay. <laughs> like a, all of I'm, those I'm things. With you, like, girl. I'm with you. Uh, we have a house cleaner. We have we have those things. We don't have family around, so we do. You know, we hire for our babysitting and stuff like that. Worth every penny, or you know, or daycare. I'm. Um, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, right now in COVID, that's a little different situation. But you know, um, beforehand, our daughter was in daycare, um, and we were very happy with that. Uh, I don't know how you grew up, but for me, my mom worked full time and my dad worked full time as well. And so I, and this was before stay at home was a thing. My parents both went to work and, you know, stuff like that. And I went to daycare. My sister went to daycare and um, we're fine. (laughs) And I think that that's, I think that that's really important for people to hear sometimes is like, we're, we're good. Like we're okay. You know, and my parents, like, I mean, I'm sure my mom had some guilt, like, around around that, but she also has said, like, yeah, but now I have two women, like, daughters that both are, you know, successful in their careers and in their life and stuff like that. You know, my sister's a, a high-risk nurse, labor and delivery nurse at a huge hospital and, you know, things like that. And it's like, yes, those things are hard, but we both, we both are independent women. And she's like, that's what I was, like, that's what I wanted you to see like more so than anything else is like, you have to be making your own money. You have to be doing these own things in your situation because like, you never know what life's going to throw at you, you know, Mm -hmm. type of thing. And so for me, like putting my child in daycare wasn't ever an issue for me because people are like, yeah, but then who raised, like my parents raised me. Like just because I was in daycare doesn't mean that like I didn't go home and then I know who's with, you know, my parents are who raised me. They're with me all weekend. They're with me all evening. Like we go on vacations, we do all these things. There's never an issue of who your parent is, you know, in that type of a situation. And I think that's, that's really, really important for people to remember. And I also think like, especially when it comes to daycare and things like that, we have this huge guilt around it. And I look, my kid gets screen time too. 
but I would rather my kid be in daycare than watching her TV all day while I work. And I think that that's really, really important for people to remember too, is like, do you really think it's that much better for your kid to, if you're working to just be sitting in front of a screen, as opposed to going and playing with a bunch of other kids again, not in COVID time, but I think, I think that you just need to, you need to figure out what works best for you and don't feel bad if that is a daycare situation or having someone come in and help with your kid. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so different depending on what everybody's individual circumstances are too. Totally. So it's like, you really have to just give yourself the grace to do what works best for your family and for your life and give your, give your girlfriends the same grace when they're making those decisions for their family. Because it's like, I've, I've talked to girlfriends too, who like really can't relate to what I do for a living. And they're just like, yeah. but I just don't understand because you're just home all day on your phone. Like how hard could this possibly be? And like, they don't at all comprehend as good intentioned as they might be yeah. the depth that goes into trying to do like, if you can't, you're switching your, your brain is contact switching 24 seven. You're yeah. trying to like answer an email and then you're trying to do this. And then you're trying to like be with your kid. And it's just, it could be a hot mess express. So I also want to hear from you if you have any other work from home parent tips that you can well, bestow on us. Cause to the other side, on the flip side of that, I have a really hard time relating to my friends that don't work. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a working mom, you need to also remember the same thing that your friends think about you. I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can do that. You're just on your phone all day. Some of us as working parents feel the same way about our friends that might be stay at home parents. And that is something that we need to work through because you know that that's not what they're doing all day. They just have a different sense of priorities, a different sense of what they, you know, of what they want to do in their life. My best friend in the world is a stay at home mom. And I didn't get it for a long time. And I didn't understand because I was like, you're so smart. Like, I don't know why, blah, 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 blah. First of all, that's a bitchy thing to say to your best friend. <laughs> she works from home. Like, yes, she's a smart person. She's still allowed to make that decision. Um, but secondly, the, but she does so much for her family, like things that I don't do. Like she does everyone, you know, she does all the laundry. Like I don't do my husband's laundry. Like I never have. Like from where, like, I'm just like, oh, you want your laundry? Cool. Then you do your laundry. Like, that's like a bit, like, I don't have the mentality of like, I'm going to do everything for my family. Like, that's just not how I am. My husband and I both do our daughter's laundry. Like some of us do, you know, one of us is at one time, one of us at the other time, like, you know, the dishes, all these things we're both doing all the time, you know, and for other people, that's not necessarily what works for their relationship. And that's okay. You know, and I also see the thing, like all this stuff she does with her kids, like all these craft projects, all these really cool things, like. I think that's so cool. And I'm never going to do that, but that's what she has value in. Like, that's what she likes to put time in and do that type of stuff with her kids or do nice things for her friends or do these types of, these types of things that like, I don't necessarily have the time or inclination to do. And I think it's important to like give grace on both sides of that, um, of that equation. I know that we've, we've had to do that. My, you know, my best friend and I, and and realizing that you totally can still be friends and just realizing that like, that's what both of you are, are want to do. Um, I'm over here like snapping my fingers behind the yeah. mic. And also going <laughs> off of that too, that also you both, 
very well can be good moms. You both can be great moms. Like that's such an important thing that you just hit on is it's like one versus the other is not better than, or, you know, like I think that society, especially, you know, maybe years ago might have said otherwise. And it was, that's where things like mom guilt or mom shaming all kind of comes into play and makes us all kind of crazy. Um, but it also, I think ties back to like, we all have different talents. We all have different interests. We all have different love languages. So like some people are just more equipped to work in an office and have their brain on one thing. And like maybe never even thought about the prospect of having a child until they were 28 years old. And like for me, I didn't, the first diaper I changed was my own daughter. (laughs) Like (laughs) I had, I I was not someone who grew up with this like natural maternal instinct of like, I'm destined to be a mother. And like, it was foreign to me. And then there are so many times where I have to catch myself from feeling like a bad mom because I'm struggling to think of a a good idea, like a creative craft idea or whatever. And I'm sitting there going, wow, I'm such a crappy mom. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's, I have girlfriends on the flip side who think it was God's mission for them to birth children and that that is right. what they were placed on this yeah. earth to do. Yeah. And like, that is absolutely great. And then if you told them, go sit in an office for eight hours, they'd be like, I'm sorry, what? Like, what do I, yeah. what do I, what do I do? Why would I do that? Yeah. Why would I, yeah. So it's totally. like, neither one is better than, no. they're just different. And we all have different no. things that we're good at and different things that light us up. And then we have different things that we bring into and pour into our children based on that. Yeah. So it's like, absolutely. I Without love that you brought that up because that's just so important. Well, it's important. And you know, my, my best friend and I, we do tell each other regularly that we think, you know, the other one is a, is a great mother. And I think that that's an important thing, you know, tell your, literally just text your friends right now. Just be like, if you don't know, you heard her say like, you're, you're crushing it, you know, stuff like that. And, and the other thing I think is important when it comes to that stuff is like, we work really hard as moms. Guess what? I also take breaks. Um, you know, I go on girls weekends. I do, I do other things. Um, I mean, again, it's so hard during quarantine, you know, to do that type of stuff. But I just had my first uh, two or two of my other girlfriends, three of my girlfriends and I went up to um, this town called McCall that's a few hours north of Boise and just spent the weekend together at one of the friends family cabin. We all got tested the week before. None of us had symptoms. We were like, all right, let's just go get tested so that we're all, you know, feeling comfortable and confident about uh, doing this weekend. We had, of course, our mishaps happen. We're there, got locked out of the house at one point, concerned the snowblower, all this other stuff. But we just had, a, we watched Bridgerton and, yes. you know, oh, just, yeah, and um, drank, drank a lot of wine and just had like a, had a great, great time. So and why I didn't did, you invite me? Because that sounds like <laughs> I would fit right in. Just okay, saying. next one, next one, um, you're in. We did a paint and sip. Oh my gosh. One of oh. the, um, one of the girls, her mom's so sweet. She sent this whole paint and sip package with like a YouTube video and it was so fun. So we like did our own and. Although I brought it home to my daughter. One thing about my daughter, she does not lie. Like, like she is very, and I was like, Hey, I, I made this for you. Do you like it? And she, she just looked at me and goes, no. And tosses it. To oh! <laughs> You're like, thanks. Crushing me. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, Dreams I missed you too. Um, so yeah, it, it, uh, you know, I, I am a big, big believer in taking that time for yourself. Um, and allowing your partner to take that time for, for his or herself too. Um, you know, I, if my husband, like, I know he's trying to plan a trip right now with one of his buddies to go down to Arizona. Like I encourage that type of thing. Like 
especially after this year, you know, like if you can safely do it and you can, you know, safely get out with someone else and just not have to necessarily be around your family 24 seven. Um, I, I don't feel any guilt about that. Um, I think that it's important to, to have a few days away from your family so that you can just have some fun and then come back and be a little bit rejuvenated and kind of ready to, ready to take it all on again. Mm-hmm. Could not agree more. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to close out by asking you a question I ask all guests who come on Thrive. Do and it. that is, what does Thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Oh, I did tell you that I was going to drop um, something embarrassing um, out into the into the podcast. So I'll put this here when it comes to thriving. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like for a long time, I didn't, I didn't look for any happiness. Does that make sense? Like I yes. was like, just kind of coasting for a long time in my life. Like everything's fine. You know? Um, I mean, I had my fun, like weekend getaways or things like that. It was kind of like what I, what I just really like live for. I'm, I'm a, if you're an Enneagram person, I'm a seven. So mm-hmm. I'm like a very social, like want to be out there with people, blah, blah, blah. So quarantine hit me like very, very hard. Um, just being with my family and not being able to go anywhere. Um, and I love my family, but we all love our families, but you know, it's, uh, being with them every single day is a little different. Um, and it's not really what you signed up for (laughs) when you, you know, signed up for all this. Um, and so I kind of started to figure out like, what are those during quarantine? I was like, okay, you need to like, you need to find, you gotta figure, you gotta figure this out because just drinking wine every night and watching a lot of great British baking show, like can only get you so far, you know, on this, on this journey. And so, um, you know, I did those things, but I kind of just started to try and figure out like, what is it I enjoy? And I I told Erica that I was going to drop something embarrassing um, about myself in this. And one thing that has really brought me joy, I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast, other people are <laughs> here, but I discovered the group, not I discovered, many people discovered them, but I discovered for myself, the group BTS. <laughs> oh my God. Is that the Korean the yes. boy band from Korea. And they have a, um, they have their own like variety show called Run BTS. And I watch it now and I love it. Like, I can't even tell you like how much it makes me laugh. They're like so frenetic. They're like crazy. And they're, it's all dubbed or you know, not dubbed. It's a, uh, it has um subtitles. Subtitles. Close yep. As the subtitles there, but the subtitles, they add in comments, like the editors add in like comments, like of what the boys are doing or what they're saying. I say boy, I mean, they're like in their twenties. They're not like <laughs> boys. They're, you know, they're adults. And, um, but anyways, like they put in the most hilarious, like subtitles, uh, subtitle, like thoughts in there, as well as translate what they're saying. And, um, it just makes me smile so much like this show, their personalities, like this stuff. And I mean, I, I like their music too. I enjoy it. Um, but just like that has brought me joy and my friends make fun of me so much. They like, they, cause I'll be like, you know what BTS was doing recently? And they'll be like, stop. Like you were a 38 year old woman. <laughs> you need to stop. And I was like, but see, Jin was telling Junku and like this like whole thing like and they're just like don't care please stop um but I just love it and I have gotten to the point where I'm just like I don't care if y'all think it's crazy like I like it I enjoy it and this is one of the ways that I think you need to thrive and that's not necessarily saying BTS but like 
finding the thing that you find enjoyable, even if it's something embarrassing, like you don't have to tell other people. Like I tell other people because it, I realize how ridiculous it is. And my husband also thinks that it's so weird. And like, I'll try to bring up things about beach. I, I like try to get him to watch it with me all the time. And he's, he's just like, like, no, not no. happening. Yeah. Like he's like, I have no interest. That's in like it. me getting my husband to watch Bridgerton when I'm on oh, my third Yeah, I don't know if my husband would like, watch that no. Yeah. I also don't know if I would have wanted to watch it in the hospital. Hey, uh, could you, thank you. Um, but you know, I, I, that's such like a silly thing, but it's so true. Like finding this little stuff that you get into. And then for me, like that's manifested in different ways. Um, like I allow myself to watch it at night after, so after everyone's gone to bed, I'm a night owl. I like to then like, typically I'll watch like an episode of it, something like that. And then, um, recently I went on Etsy and, um, I, I found like they had little, uh, pins, like, and it was like the different BTS members doing different things and like run like certain like iconic scenes or things like that. And so like, I bought like a few little pin and I like have them up on my, cause I have a huge like board behind me that has like a bunch of inspirational, you know, or like stuff that inspires me or funny things. And so anyways, I like got these ones and I put them up there and it's silly. Like, it's just this little thing, but it's like, we're having to find new ways to find joy in the middle of all this. So like, don't judge yourself so hard. It, like if it's not the coolest thing in the world, you know, or, uh, you know, everyone else thinks you're crazy. I mean, as long as it's something that's like healthy, <laughs> I'm, I'm not like, well, I kind of got into heroin, you know, it, <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it, like, I feel like if this is, if this is the worst that, that it is, that this is what's going to happen, like, I, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. Absolutely. I love that. I couldn't agree more. I think intentionally finding happiness and finding seeking it all out is so important now more than ever. Couldn't agree more. Finding finding the things that make you laugh. Yeah, I guess at a time when not a whole lot makes us laugh, you know, in the world, it's when you do find things that make you laugh, hold on to that, grab it, you know, don't be ashamed of it and just enjoy it. Absolutely. Retweet, retweet. (laughs) <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me on thrive christina i could literally talk thank to you for hours for having me. i know i know i was like i think hers are normally like a half hour and i've definitely been talking for longer than that but that's fine this is this is quality content i mean who's, okay who's to cut this like come on this is great um just tell us all where we can find you online because i'm sure people yeah. are going to want to connect with you more yeah definitely Um, so like I said at the top, I know we didn't really talk about what I, what I do very much and that's okay, but I help people get on, on podcasts, essentially help entrepreneurs. Um, I have a few ways that I do that. Um, and you can find those at publicitybychristina.com backslash podcasts. Um, I'll make sure that Erica has that link so that she can drop that in the show notes. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at, at publicitybychristina. Um, and that's publicity X Christina. That's the same. I thought it was really clever. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but that's what I did. And so publicity by Christina on Instagram and then publicity by Christina.com backslash podcast is where you can find out more about what I do for, for work. And, um, please DM me. I love to hear from people just telling me what you thought of this episode. If you took anything away from it, if you're another, if you're a type one diabetic or the parent of a special needs child, definitely. I would love to, you know, connect with you over DM. Um, so yeah, I just can't wait to hear from people and I hope they enjoyed the episode. Also, if you're a big BTS fan, you're also, uh, welcome to, uh, DM me with funny memes and things like that that make me laugh. 
Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.